Welcome to the SDG Talks podcast, where we discuss all things around the sustainable development goals and the roadmap to 2030. We are your co-hosts, James and Kevin, here to take you along the SDG ride. We hope you enjoy today's SDG Talks podcast. As a society, we need to learn to stop the stigma, to break the stigma and to speak up. One, you know, if someone walks up to you and speaks to you stating that I'm not feeling good today. Now, be it as a family member, be it as a friend or be it as a fellow colleague in your workplace or in any hierarchical position, I don't think one should just neglect that away. STG Talkers, welcome back. Today we have Sundara Nair from Bangalore, India, who's going to talk about mental health. Mental health is often something that is ignored and overlooked, and she's going to give us some amazing insights into some of the roadblocks that exist to getting help and the perceptions of individuals on thinking, what is wrong with me? And maybe I don't need help, and this is just normal. And looking at why these roadblocks and these misconceptions exist and and offering some ideas to how we can better equip providers and healthcare clinicians to making sure they can provide the best health care. And it's not just being a professionally trained therapist, but you as an individual, you can lend a helping hand. You can be there for a friend. You can be a good listener. You can have an engaging eye to kind of keep eye on if someone around you is maybe going through a hard time and just being there for others. We're going to hear about some good ideas and insights of other organizations that are doing great work and and give some important voice to this important SDG that deserves some attention. Have a great day and keep on SDG talking. Vasundra Nair, welcome to the SDG Talks podcast. How are you doing this evening? Absolutely fine. Thank you so much for the opportunity. So where are you located today? I am in Bangalore, which is the southern part of India. So I am here. It's evening here. Yeah. Yes, and it's uh, it's morning for me. So the, the joys of being able to <laughs> leverage the internet and have amazing conversations like this to spread the knowledge of the SDGs and, and the work that you do. Brilliant. I mean, I, I think it's it's definitely required. Individuals who are budding, individuals who are into it, and individuals who are higher up the ladder. I think everyone should come together and have conversations like these, such that we are able to establish a pathway, you know, as a gl- global uh, citizens all together, such that we can work toward together for a better tomorrow. Well said. And I think that that sets up the whole conversation nicely where it's it's about having the conversation and this pathway to global citizenship and being a global citizen in general. And so much of that ties into our individual mental health and our family, the mental health within the home and the community and in every scale above that. So g- give me some context into to what that means, the, the mental health within the context, especially within today and the work that you do, for those of us that, that don't know any of this, the work that you do. Sure. So I am a mental health clinician and a senior research fellow. By that, I mean, so I did my bachelor's in sociology and then moved ahead to do my master's in community development. And that is where the idea of community health was introduced to me in one of my papers. And I found that extremely intriguing. And then I got my scholarship and went to this institute called 
the National Institute of Mental Health and Neurosciences, which is the main institute in the entire Asian, you know, if you, if you take the entire Asian scenario, it is the main institute and it's known for its training for mental health. And I chose to do my two years of MPhil, which involved going across 14 different uh, specializations from, you know, right from the child to the geriatric population, understanding, working through individuals, through families, at a community level. And it was not just, you know, the psychiatric conditions. We had, we were exposed to neurosurgical as well as in emergency setting, what would happen and what as a clinician should you be doing for the patient, for the caregiver, the families, as well as the the settings that the person would be constantly interacting with, by which I would mean the school in terms of a child or the workplace for uh, for an adult and the larger society. So in all across all these spectrums, what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to conceptualize and how you need to make sure that the mental health of these individuals is well taken care of? So that's the kind of two years training. And then I am doing currently my PhD. And so right now I have my patients. I teach my juniors as well as I'm researching into the field. So my area of interest is in infections, brain infections. By that, I mean people having acute episodes of meningitis, which is like brain fever or like an inflammation in the brain, which is called encephalitis. So what happens to these individuals? Do they even get to know? And if, if they are coming late, what causes the difficulty for them? And what are the difficult, different uh, mental health concerns that come for them? Yeah. Wow. No shortage of things going on. I hope you have time to sleep as well. <laughs> it's, well, it's, one it, has to do what what drives them, right? Absolutely, and when it, when it's your passion, it, it never feels like work. And I'm fortunate as well that none of my work feels like work at all. And when you're passionate about it, it just drives you. And I loved hearing about what you were just talking about. And there's so much in what you just talked about. And and I guess to start, I think it's an interesting concept to think about the providers of the health, the the providers, those who are maybe looking to help those in need. And and you, you mentioned on sort of the community aspect of where sometimes an individual needs to find a way to seek help, but it's a lot of the system that is providing the help. And I'd love to hear from you about how a doctor, a clinician, a, a psychologist or just like a community of sorts how do you go about properly addressing and supporting and, and providing the best resources to enable adequate overall wellness and particularly mental health resources um to answer that question i think the first thing that we need to understand is that what causes the roadblocks in seeking care most of the times individuals who wish to receive the care, never really understand what is actually happening to them. And they are just clueless at that point in time. I've had people who just speak to me saying that, you know, I'm just having 
trouble in concentration i'm just having constant palpitations i don't know why i'm feeling tired all the time i don't know why i'm just feeling angry all the time and that inability of an individual to understand what is happening to them is one of the major difficulties or what i would say is that the major roadblock that a person doesn't come and seek treatment as an individual on on a, on a personal note what we do not understand is that mental health is a condition that has negative effect on the way any individual would think feel and behave be as a global you know be it global citizens or or you know the country that i belong to we've been signatories to that we have taken pledges about it but none of them have been out in the open speaking about it it's always you know shut down or shushed down or or just considered as that it's not considered right and that's the kind of notion that has been there towards mental health for a very long period of time as a society we need to learn to stop the stigma to break the stigma and to speak up one you know if someone walks up to you and speaks to you stating that i am not feeling good today now be it as a family member be it as a friend or be it as a fellow colleague in your workplace or in any hierarchical position i don't think one should just neglect that away on another front there is clear cut marginalization that happens at a policy level because of which we've had individuals you know when when you see patients of your own who need to seek care but they are not able to come in i've seen a lot of people who would just say that you know it's it's too much for me unable to receive quality care the healthcare cost is really high for me on the other side i must also say that because of the limited awareness many individuals do not actually come and specialize themselves into this as a healthcare professional if i have to you know and tell you about the ratio of a clinician to a person who needs to receive care in a country like ours it's really poor when the survey was being done in the year 2016 it was found that there are just 10000 psychiatrists in the entire country of ours and we're the second most populated country in the world you know 10000 psychologists and social workers who were trained along in these lines and another 5000 psychiatric nurses now that alone shows the lack of healthcare professional in our country and why the accessibility and affordability has been a major issue now let's imagine that say a person actually found out came in sought the treatment there are four major individuals who are actually i would say the classified healthcare professionals who can actually you know see them speak to the person who has in a country like ours it's a psychiatrist it's a psych- clinical psychologist a psychiatric social worker and a psychiatric nurse a psychiatrist is a person who's basically you know has an md psychiatric degree speaks to them decides whether the person requires medication or therapy and accordingly prescribes them further a clinical psychologist predominantly works on you know psychotherapy as well as doing assessments on a cognition level a person with a degree of mphil in psychiatric social work is a person who's trained for 2 years 
to understand on an individual family and community level what are the therapies that you can do what is a family focused treatment one has to do how are you supposed to license across the different areas that the person who is having a mental health concern working across and what am i supposed to make how am i supposed to make sure that this person comes back for treatment has the continuum of care so you are a case manager for them and psychiatric nurses are the individuals who completely take care of them from daily monitoring them from morning till evening when they are in the wards thank you for laying it all out there and i think even just i look at the healthcare system now whether you're trying to find a doctor or a therapist and grant i'm located in the united states and it's complicated enough and challenging and then there's the cost component i think you laid out nicely too where it's it's often people don't want to go seek care they don't maybe they maybe know things are wrong with them but they're afraid to know because of the culture of just like avoidance or they're just afraid of the cost and or just so many of these barriers and then there's just the aspect of there's just not enough providers out there so you've got this awareness issue you've got the lack of supply issue and then you just i think especially what i want to hear more from you is the mental health component it's it's so different than the physical health because physical maybe people are you know you see you have a scrape on your arm hey you have to put a bandaid on it or you broke a bone and you got to fix it but mental health it's it's invisible but yet it's so systematic and apparent throughout the human body and and then the the overall psyche of your day and your family so how how do we go about making mental health something that is more visible it seems like it's constantly invisible and and people don't want to talk about it and it just gets kind of pushed under the rug and especially within this challenging time of covid where we're just having all sorts of challenges in front of us how do we make mental health something that's more visible talked about accepted and something that we can use to seek help for so the first thing to understand is that like you rightly pointed out mental health because it's not something that you know i can show like you know physically symptoms about people do not tend to take it very seriously but what they don't understand is that you know how who clearly defines it mental health is equally important and to be very fair if your mental health gets disrupted your entire daily routine of all the things that you were able to do eat from your sleep to your fooding habits to your interaction with someone to your working routine everything gets disrupted but the most important thing to understand when you speak about like i was telling you mental health is your inner thoughts actions and behaviors but one needs to understand what is a human function altogether now we often speak about stress when we speak about mental health now stress is both the cause and the result in itself it affects your performance you you have that expectation with yourself which basically arouses the stress now there are two components to stress there is something called as a good stress there is something called as a distress now good stress is when like you know on an often on on a regular normal day i i come across i'm having say like some trouble you know that's coming in but i'm able to deal with it 
but you know that's okay that resolves with time but imagine the situation that i'm having this constantly that's coming on to me and i am like just letting it go letting it go i'm trying to deal with it but i'm finding it difficult to deal with it now those small small bits that come in together it accumulates when it accumulates it actually breaches your comfort zone the moment the stress breaches your comfort zone that's when the peakedness comes in you that's when you start feeling this is too much for me to handle and that is the time when you start feeling this is too much i'm just feeling extremely fatigued i am exhausted i am not able to deal with this situation no matter how much i try i am not able to that is the moment when you are actually shifting towards ill health the method of distress is actually coming into you and when you start breaking down unfortunately that is the time that individual starts focusing towards their mental health but imagine the situation if they would have actually tried to speak about when the problem was at a smaller level they would not have to come to the breakdown point to actually bring it out to someone's notice along with that another important thing as as regular individuals who really you know we are all social beings people do make attempt at times to come and speak to us but because we are not aware ourselves we do not know how to actually pick up when someone is actually telling or they are having concerns it's very important to understand the person that you're talking to that can be anyone that you know if they are saying that i'm feeling extremely hopeless about themselves or they start saying that maybe they are a huge burden or they start telling you goodbyes for no reason if a person is withdrawing themselves from their friends from their families it's another sign to look out for imagine a person who's regularly coming with you say for dance classes or for sports or say reading anything but now they just find like they don't they don't have interest in it at all or they just you know they're losing interest or they try to just avoid that coming along with you that's another sign for you to look out for if you see a person having extreme mood swings which even they are not able to understand themselves that's another sign or they you know start giving away all the possessions that really mean to them a lot and there is no explanation that's another and in the other extreme would be if they start speaking about harming themselves or death that's another signs and a lot of times people ask me this questions and saying that hey i am not a trained person i am not from that field but i really want to like you know help out my friend or my colleague or my spouse so what do i do i think there are a couple of things that as a normal person who's just like there for your friend in your own circle that you can do if a person is coming and talking to you about it i think the first thing you need to do is never discount their feelings because it's their perception they are trying to put forward the seriousness and that really means a lot it's really important to them it takes a lot of effort a lot of guts to come and speak about it and hence if you discount their feelings you're actually shutting down that channel for them second thing is never look at mental health concerns as a cry you know for attention it's a cry for help it's an indicate indication of their emotional pain third thing is yes i agree you're not a therapist but you could be a good friend you could be a good listener that would actually help them 
to reduce that burden, you know, that pressure off their chest. And that can do wonders for that person. You would never know just sitting down and just like, you know, just nodding and trying to even making an attempt to understand what the other person is trying to tell you, how much of that pressure can be lifted off from that person. If you think your friend is having difficulty, please encourage them to get help, professional assistance. And of often times individuals say that, hey, I know they are going to, you know, uh, professional therapy now, but I'm actually afraid to go and ask them about how it is. What if something just comes out and I'm not able to deal with it? My answer to them is that don't be afraid to ask them about their feelings. You're just checking up and you're also being part of their care. It's an opportunity for you to understand as well, and that will actually help them more. So never, never be afraid of that part. So well said, and and I taking some great notes here, and just thinking about your last point. I'd never be afraid to to reach out and ask. And sometimes the, the people need a question to probe them to allow them to maybe break out of that shell of feeling uncomfortable and, and sometimes as a friend, you don't need to be a therapist, but just to, to lend a, a hand or an ear to listen is so valuable. And that's that's something that any of us can do to anyone in SDG3 around mental health and health and wellness is so broad. But something that all of us can do individually today is is ask how everyone around us is doing and, and maybe even look to volunteer that would to others and and provide just counseling resources, you know, just is more hanging out resources. It doesn't need to be anything too formal. But so I'd like to hear from you as well. Like what are things that additional things that individuals can do? And, and what are some organizations that whether it's within the Indian context or global context, what are some organizations that are doing some good work that people should be aware of? I think on the international front, uh, World Health Organization is doing brilliant work, especially during this pandemic. The amount of material that they generated over, you know, night for parents, for schools, for clinicians, what are you supposed to do? And encouraging other ministries across the countries to, you know, laying down protocols for them that how are you actually supposed to manage that? That was some brilliant work that was being done. Along with that, be the Global Health Network or the NIHR, uh, health research agencies. They've done really brilliant work that I think that individuals across whoever is into health sector should know about. And WHO made sure that they had something for each and every population. If you're a person, person who's just going for work regularly, you know, work, work from home situation. If you're a parent, if you are a student, if you are a teacher, if you are a business person, you know, and any, any population altogether, they were actually able to cater to each and every need. They even brought out such simplified certification courses to understand what will happen to you. That was really brilliant of them. I think on an international network, one needs to always, you know, keep up with these individuals. I would also say in Indian context, I would say the institute that I studied in, I have, I mean, it was never easy to get into that institute, but they are pioneers in what they do. Uh, Nimhans as an institute has, has been really 
laying down foundation to mental health since a very long period of time. The licensing across different places or how our training goes in or how the care is provided to our patients, it's one of a kind. I know for a fact so many of my patients across, you know, their class structure, be it lower or higher, there is a reason why they come back. That's because of the multidisciplinary team that they are, we are part of. Like by that, I mean that, you know, when a patient comes in for the first time, it's not just a psychiatrist they meet. They meet a psychiatrist. They meet a psychologist. They meet a, meet a psychiatric social worker. And these three sit together, understand from their own perspectives what can be done for this case. And never is the patient coming on their own. It's always a family member or a person who cares for them, comes along with them. So we sit down, spend time with them to understand that what is the scenario the person is coming from? What caused it? What can be done going forward? And also to maintain that this does not happen to that person. What are the resources that we can, you know, take care of such that this doesn't happen going forward? Calling up if they do not come back and if they're admitted, the nurses. So when a person is getting the care or they have to like, you know, speak, it's not just one person who's giving their perspective. There are multiple people who are involved such that all the perspectives and quality of care for this person is ensured. And within the realm of, of COVID, because obviously it's something we're all talking about, mm-hmm. um, how have you seen some of the, the organizations and the resources you talk about really step up and, and, and maybe and just give us a quick little paint, a little picture on how the mental health story has been personified and maybe just that much more challenging during the environment that we live in right now. So during the pandemic, the first change that happened is that patients, uh, we had to call up patients and tell them to not come to OPD how they were coming before. That was a very conscious decision that we had to take because if we wouldn't take it, the person would have the tendency to come back to us and that would actually put them at more risk. And so if we had to tell our patients that please don't come in person to the OPDs or for your follow-up, we had to also ensure what we would be do for them. Two major things that started off at that period One was we had a helpline number that started for the entire country. And all the clinicians at that time, we were on turns from early morning till late night on 24 bar 7 duty. We were all just receiving calls from individuals, irrespective of whether they were from, you know, receiving care from us or not. We were talking to them. The care at that time that was given was not just about mental health. It was also about when they are finding it difficult, they're stuck in places or they're not getting food or resources. We were actually linking them across to the different organizations who were there such that they, they, their health is well taken care of. On a mental health front, the one, yes, the telephonic sessions had started as well as the video sessions that had started off and that was more than that we started doing the telephonic sessions more because our patients were much more 
comfortable on that. So sessions were being taken and consultations were being provided accordingly. And then we linked them across whichever district they came from or whichever state they were coming from, how well a person, if it's an extremely you know, serious concern, they are finding it difficult to come back here, what care can be provided? We started at that. And at that time, we realized that, you know, in, in a psychiatric setting, you can, we were able to do the telephonic session in a neurological, chronic neurological conditions, or say even acute levels who were having mental health concern, all the therapists. So now that I work in that area, all the therapists, the consultants who are working in, all of us started doing telephone sessions as well as some, some people who would not come back call them up, ask them that, hey, are you receiving your medicines? Hey, are you keeping well? Is there anything that's, you know, causing a difficulty? Are there confusions that are happening? Is there any other difficulty that's happening? Because during the pandemic in our country, we had floods in various parts of the country. There were different other difficulties that were coming in. So it was not just the pandemic that we were taking care of. It was multitude of other issues that were just coming over a period of time. So say people with dementia, people with conditions like multiple sclerosis or, or people with, uh, you know, who are in constant need of medicines or individuals who are just having mental health concerns because say they've lost a job or something, you know, death has occurred or, you know, it was different scenarios altogether. I remember there was a child, or, uh, there was a child who called me up once and said that, Hey, I just want to ask you this. I have a younger brother and I do not know how to keep my younger brother engaged. Can you like help me out because my parents are on work from home? You know, this, this is one scenario. And then we had issues of domestic violence that were being reported. So every call was very different. One had to be prepared as a clinician to get whatever comes and immediately a plan of action had to be made. We did not have something that, hey, I will call you back one week later. No, that scenario never came. We did not have time for it. So that is how the services were being provided to them, if I'm answering your question. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, a lot of it's, hey, leverage the video chatting, leverage the available resources through the different things that the internet provides us. And kind of like we started our chat, I mean, it's while it can be intimidating at times to reach out, sometimes you can see a leverage of tools around you. It's great to know some of the, the efforts that you and your partners and your organizations have been involved with. And, and just to kind of circle us out here, I'd like to ask this question just to get the brain churning a little bit with, with some thoughts, but I'd love to hear, and you can answer this question either way. What is something right now that keeps you up at night and terrifies you? And what's something that excites you around the SDGs or SDG3 in particular? It's like this. I would not say it um, terrifies me, but yes, what's something that, you know, there's, there's a constant question in my mind that comes is that it's currently about quality education. To be very honest, among the SDGs, one thing that I have been really, really thinking about is of quality education because the modality of education has changed in our country. It's a new um, scheme that has come in. A lot of changes have come. We've had students who've been reporting difficulty because, you know, their school schedules, their support system in terms of their friends, their teachers, everything has changed. 
and uh, at the same time everything is on the video method so at times i wonder if the children are receiving the right form of education if they are receiving the right form of quality of education that all of us did receive and that is something that has been you know that's that's got me thinking but what i did for that is that i actually collaborated with a couple of individuals who are into that field as an advisory member and i'm trying to understand as to how we are able to provide them how effective those those elements would be also another thing is that yes in the contemporary society that we are in we should not be speaking about the conventional life skills the conventional needs and values that we were speaking or, or the conventional mode of education so when we speak about contemporary mode of education and the necessary skills and requirements for that i am also trying to understand how well it can be actually you know passed on to the next next batch of individuals who would be graduating so that's something that that's got me thinking and i'm a person if i think about it i will have this two days and by third day i need to actually have an you know some form of plan so i i start researching on my own saying that how in my capacity can i actually help on this so i would say that i am actually very much excited to see <laughs> that how that will actually come out what's got me extremely excited about this right now is i'm i'm really in awe of seeing how this partnership um for the goals ha- is happening across the globe i was reading um, i i'm not sure if you were to read this article by the undp which was speaking about that you know the pandemic has given permission for changing so she was um, this was written by the director of the sdg impact and uh, this was uh, i guess it was in april uh, beginning that the article had come out and uh, she was actually saying that how uh, for a very long period of time the focus towards sdg has been actually you know not been in the right manner that we thought it should be and how in the current pandemic we have been given the permission for change how people have all come together and they are actually giving in the time energy they're networking across people they're listening because now we are like a global network if even for that matter me talking to you in the previous times it would be like you know say i meet you in person if i come there or you come and meet so everything has just been become so easy everyone's working together putting their minds and efforts and time towards sdgs so i think that's what's got me really excited about it right now i love your fire and your passion about all this and and that's really what this is all about in terms of just raising the awareness on all the different 17 sdgs and there's so much overlap across all of them and sdg 3 and the mental health is they're all important but this is arguably the most important because it sets a foundation for the individual and the family and the community and on behalf of the sdg talks community we we thank you for all the pioneering work that you're doing and i really look forward to staying in touch and and hearing about all the amazing work that you continue to do throughout your career and in your community 
Thank you. Thank you. I definitely hope we have much more forums and platforms that we can speak about it. And if there is in any capacity that I can help you anytime, feel free to reach out. Thank you so much. And I look forward to talking again soon. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the STG Talks podcast. Make sure to check out all the show notes for relevant links from this show. Please share and follow STG Talks on social media and stay tuned for updates from the Unleash and United Nations community. The goal of the STG Talks is to bring you good content. So if you want to learn about something specific or have suggestions, please let us know. We look forward to seeing you next time on STG Talks.